Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today our special guest is Matt Papa, a pastor, recording artist, worship leader, and author of the new book, Look and Live. Uh, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks right, for having let's, me. Uh, let's just jump right into the, the heart of things, and for those who you know, may not have heard of the book yet or may not have read it, what exactly is Look and Live all about? Yeah, I guess the um, the quick drop by uh, look at it would be um, the the idea of the book is that we change fundamentally when we change what we worship. So uh, any any uh, any changes that we make in our lives uh, that that are are trying to be changes for the better that are that are not um, worship changes, deep uh, heart soul changes are all going to be superficial they're all going to be uh not lasting and uh, so we have to change what we worship and the way we change what we worship um is is by understanding beholding uh gazing into the god the gospel the gospel is what what actually changes what mm-hmm. we worship one of the things that you talk about right at the beginning of the, of the book to kind of set the context for everything to follow is this idea that we cannot not worship? That worship is is something that we that we have to do, um, but it really depends on, on on not whether or not we worship, but what we worship. Can can you talk more about that? Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the things that C.S. Lewis did, uh, um, art, and, you know, he made lots of uh, incredible arguments. Uh, for the truth of the Christian faith, but I think one of the one of the more compelling ones he made, and I think maybe one of the, the most compelling one, uh, compelling argument that can be made, to me is, is the argument from desire, um, which basically, uh, in, in Lewis's words, uh, were, if I find in myself a desire which nothing in this world can satisfy, maybe I was made for another world. And uh, so basically in chapter one of the book, I, it, it's a little more philosophical, but, but yeah, I, I just kind of go into the fact that uh, we never begin worship, we aim it, that, that all people are religious. Uh, I lay out a few different quotes from people like Madonna, Tom Brady, kind of pop culture references that sort of show this, uh, what, what Lewis, another word Lewis used was Zeinzucht, uh, which is a German word for longing. This, this, uh, this hunger, this craving, we, we have to uh, deify something. It seems like uh, the human heart, we, we have to chase something, we have to pursue something with, with reckless abandon. Um, and it's, 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 it's fascinating, really, how, how God has wired us. And uh, that's what I explore in, in Chapter 1, uh, that we, we never begin worship, we aim it. Uh, just the hunger, the craving that, that all of us have as human beings, and... Uh, and that inevitably, when we uh, worship the wrong things, the uh, the lesser things, we end up um, with an emptiness, with a void, with an ache, with uh, with a restlessness, uh, because we we've thrown our our soul onto something that can't can't mm-hmm. handle it. How do you think it changes us when we just begin to realize that you know worship is not something that's confined to church? Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I think it's important to um, to think about worship in that way. I, it, it, I guess 
um, you know, we tend to think, oh, like, what do you worship? If we ask yourself, you know, almost we almost always go to sort of pat answers or, or like superficial answers. Well, I'm a I'm a Christian, so I worship God, or I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a uh, I'm a Muslim, so I worship Allah or, or whatever. Um, but the uh, the the answers are are much more complex and they're and they're deeper. Uh, you you know you trace your emotions, you trace your money, you trace your uh, the, these things to actually find out. Like one theologian said, they're like smoke from the fire of the of the true God that we worship. Smoke from the fire of the altar of the true true God that we worship. So, for example, if you if you trace your emotions, uh, like anger, you know, if you think about what makes you angry, um, that's typically. You know, I mean, I mean, there is such a thing as righteous anger, but typically, if you're if you're like me, when you get angry, it's because what you worship is being threatened. So, uh, you know, it, whether that be control or your reputation or your comfort, um, that, that idol is being threatened, so you lash out in anger. Um, anxiety, you can kind of trace your anxiety. Uh, anxiety. One pastor said, anxiety is the result of a collapsing God. So, so I tell that to say that um, it, it's important for us to think about worship in, in non-sort of religious or Christian terms, I think, because... Uh, when when you think you know, um, I mean it's a, really it's important to think about it in both terms. But in order to trace like the deeper kind of heart idols, uh, I think it's important to think about worship without religious terms to kind of expose. All right, what what am I? What's really going on in my heart? What's really there? Um, because you know, like one of the towards the end of the book, I talk about basically how I wake up in the morning. Uh, I don't wake. I don't wake up in the morning singing Chris Thomas songs, you know, or or like sing, singing Amazing Grace. I wake up in the morning with uh, Zane Zucht. With uh, I wake up in the morning to waves of restlessness, of longing. You know, I wake up to, uh, you know, oh my goodness, I got to check my email. What's going on with social media? What 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 have I got to do today? Where am I going to be in five years? Where am I going to be in ten years? What am I going to be known for? Blah blah blah. And it's just this this restlessness and if if you don't uh if you don't know that that is is worship that's just happening uh then you will uh you know the way i describe in the book is that our, our it's kind of like we've got arrows just sort of flying out of our heart and they're being aimed at they're they're, they're just going constantly rapid fire and if we don't aim those toward you know, the Lord of, of the universe, then uh, we're, we're going to be uh, brokenhearted. We're going to be disappointed. And uh, so th- I think that's why it's important to know that, that that's what's going I think on. it really helps us to understand the concept of idolatry as well, because we look at idolatry and we think like, oh, I, that's something that happened back in the Old Testament. You know, they, they worshiped false gods right. and, you know, it was an idol. It was this thing, you know, you know, of course we would never worship anything so stupid as something made out of wood or stone. That, that, that'd be dumb. Um, but, but seeing it in this perspective helps us understand, you know, how easy it is to fall into, you know, modern idolatry today. Yeah, I mean, really, I, I think the whole Bible, in a sense, you could say it's about worship and idolatry. I mean, the, the, the first greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um it's it's kind of fundamental to uh, to the scriptures to the, to the teachings of of Jesus 
to the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments opens with, you know, put God put God first, and it closes with, with you shall not covet. And um, and really, you know, even all the commandments in between are are rooted um, in in idolatry. You know, just uh, for example, I guess to show sort of how how pervasive it is. Like, if any time, basically any time we uh, anytime there's brokenness in our lives, it, it's because at 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 a, at a deep root level, there's idolatry happening. So, for example, uh, you know, the commandment "Don't lie." Anytime, anytime we lie, or if I just spoke about it personally, if, if anytime I lie, uh, the reason usually is because I want the person in front of me to perceive me better than I actually am. So there's an idol of approval happening in my heart. I need uh, this person to respect me. I need this person to think to to admire me, and um, and that is the reason I lie. So so the lie, the thing that's happening there on the surface level, is is something that I could could try to uh, you know. Uh, pop myself with a rubber band every time I did it or, or whatever. I could try to superficially change it, but until I address the deeper level uh, Zainzuk, the, the desires that are that are swelling in my heart, all those changes are going to be superficial. Um, if you take another another example, like um, the, the honor the Sabbath. So so God is telling us to, to take a take a day off. There was a time in my life when uh, I was I was um, I, I never, I never rested. I was traveling way too much. I was working way too much, and I never took a day off. And I was really depressed, and I was on the border of, of killing myself, hating myself. Um, and it's because I was so strung out um, emotionally, physically. And the reason for that was, you know, again, you can trace it down to idolatry. I, I needed uh, to be successful because I needed people to respect me because I needed people to like me to praise me et cetera et cetera and and so that led to this 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 uh, surface level problem this issue of uh, workaholism and and so you know you, you um, I, it's so crucial you know I can't say enough how crucial it is to think about to ponder about to, to pray about. You know what is it I actually worship? What is it I actually love? And there in the chapter, in the first chapter of the book, I, I go through some several different questions. You know, you can ask yourself uh, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times, especially in, in modern contexts, it's probably more uh, more noticeable. But a lot of idolatry is actually, and I'm I'm sure I had to coin this phrase. Uh, it's not it's not idolatry. It's I idolatry. It's really the the worship of yourself. At the heart of things, okay. um, and, and yeah. I think that's really what I feel. That even even if you're talking about, you know, if you're worshiping a false god, uh, you know, why why did why do they worship that false god? Well, if you, if you had a a god of um, you know a god a god of the sky, a god that sends rain, then you would you would pray to that god because you wanted rain. Or if you had a god of healing, you would pray right. to that god because you wanted healing. And I, I feel like at the core of, of idolatry and, and all all worship, that it really comes down to you're either worshiping yourself, putting yourself first, or you're worshiping God and putting God first. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, and 
And I've never heard that phrase before, so maybe kudos to you. Maybe I'll, have to, I'll have to write it down in a book sometime then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, man, I think that's a great point. I think uh, one of the one of the things in the Bible is that you you become, uh, you know, well, first of all, I guess that that God created us in His image, and a uh, famous quote is that we return the favor. And so um, we, yeah, essentially we create idols, uh, sort of in the image of ourselves, what we uh, what we want to be like, who we want to be. One of the things in the Bible is that we become like whatever we worship. And so, you know, one of, uh, one of the things we talk about there in the book is that beholding is becoming, you know, whatever your, whatever arrests your attention, your, your character, you become like that thing. So if you, if you stare at, um, at, at money, you, you, be, you become, you become like money, you become, you become greedy, you become uh, sort of a bottomless uh, pit, you, there, there's never enough, there's a restlessness there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, um, the thing we have to be careful, even with, with God, we have to be careful. We're not making God into something that he's not. One of the things Jonathan Edwards talked about in some of his writings is that, um, you know, it's, it's easy to sometimes to worship God for, for certain, uh, like a sliver of his attributes, and, and in doing so, we're not worshiping like the full God. We're worshiping sort of parts of who He is. Like we praise God for His power because He's a God who can heal my life or He can fix my problems. Then we're, you know, really maybe we just have a genie in, instead of the, the, the true God. Uh, we're, again, we're we're making sort of an image of ourselves or an image of, of what we uh, the God that we want. Um, you 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 know you can praise God for His love or his, for his, his kindness or his helpfulness, you know, God can kind of change my circumstances or get me the life that I want to live. But, um, you know, what Edwards talked about was, was basically that only when we adore God for who he is in himself, for his majesty, for his glory, for his, um, his beauty in and of himself, only when we praise God for, for the, 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 uh, the whole of his character, can we truly know that we're worshiping God as, as an end in himself and not sort of as a, as a means to some other end, which is um, one another theme there in the book, uh, especially in the last chapter I get into, is that even in Bible study and prayer, we can be uh, we can be kneeling to our idols, which is which is kind of a scary thought, um, but it's uh, certainly it's been true in my life, and uh, hopefully I can um, help people think. Yeah, and that. that really makes us you know stop and think. I as Christians, um, because we can think, well, I'm I'm doing you know I'm in church, I'm. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm worshiping God, but if if the purpose for everything you're doing is really ultimately for yourself, then you know worship is directed toward you, not toward God. Yeah, yeah. Um, here again, um, you know, we never begin worship; we aim it. So it's always happening. And so uh, I have I've struggled a lot. I guess growing up in sort of. Uh, church environment, um, religiosity uh, and religion has, has been an, an idol for me. Um, the, way I, the way I've said it recently um, in sort of talking about this subject, this idea is that, you know, you almost always, you, you start out, the, the motives are good, like you, you, love, you love Jesus, but then it's amazing how quickly you can go from loving Jesus to loving, loving Jesus, Yeah. right? Um, 
and, and it and it just happens in a it can happen in a second it can happen in a, in a day it happens over a period of time but the eyes drift and again the arrows are still flying and so you're worshiping something and so suddenly you know it's like wow Jesus you're amazing and then suddenly it's like wow look at look at how amazing I am at serving Jesus wow and 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 we end up a Pharisee right we end up um, and I've battled with that uh, for a lot of my life in, in sort of ministerial success or, you know, as, uh, as silly as that sounds. But, but what, uh, what Augustine said is true that um, when we uh, – or no, I'm sorry, Chesterton. He said, when we cease to worship God, we do not worship nothing. We worship anything. So anything could be an idol, even ministry, even being a Sunday school teacher, even – uh, you know, being a deacon, being a pastor, anything could be an idol. And we can use God as a sort of a step in our ladder. Um, and another way to think about this is is in is in the, the, the disciplines of Bible study and prayer. And I'll, I'll just hit, I'll hit these quickly, and then I guess if you want to uh, go deeper into these, we can. But, um, you know, you, you think about uh, with Bible study, like, for example, uh, Psalm 15, I remember I used to read Psalm 15, which says, uh, O Lord, who may dwell in your holy tent, who may ascend your holy hill? He walketh blameless, he speaks the truth in his heart, and it lists out several things. And I used to read that, and I used to say, okay, you know, I used to say, okay, God, I, I can do that, help me do that, you know. And um, and I was sort of reading the scriptures as as sort of a guide to my life, fundamentally and primarily. And so it would leave me with this sort of excited resolve um, but, but what I've come to, to see, you know, in the Bible and also from my experience is that I, I actually, I can't do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the, 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 really the way to interpret scripture is, you know, with that example, you know, oh Lord, who may dwell in your holy tent, who may, who may ascend your, your holy hill, he's walking blameless, he's speaking truth. You know, the, the way to interpret that is, okay, God, I, that's obviously you're not talking about me because I, I've never done that. I never will be able to do that. But I think about Jesus, who who did speak the truth in his heart, who did walk blameless. He never he never sinned, and actually he he ascended a, a, a hill not of exaltation but of destruction. He ascended the hill of Calvary, even despite these things. You know, Lord, I worship you. I I adore you. I praise you. And and to walk away from that. The, the, those two ways of walking away from the scripture are fundamentally different. Um, the Bible can be a guide to your life to, in terms of wisdom and practical understanding and how you do your finances and how to be a better father, husband, and all these things. It absolutely does that. But uh, primarily, the Bible is revealing Jesus Christ. And um, if if we're studying the Bible primarily for the former and just sort of to, to, to get our lives sort of in better, uh, in better shape, we can actually only, we can actually be using the Bible to feed our idolatries, you know, to, to get our lives uh, in sort of the way we want them to be. And, and, and there's an excitement from that, but there's also a, a, uh, a despair uh, from that because we're actually, our eyes are still on ourselves. Um, and then quickly in, in prayer, you know, Jesus, he, um, he he taught us how to pray. He said, begin like this, our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. So he says begin with worship. But if, you know, if you're like me, uh, the way that I begin prayer is, uh, and most naturally, is God, give me my idols. Yeah. So um, I'm coming to him not as a father, not as a, not as a, a, a deity that I'm worshiping, but as a genie who can get me to the thing that I'm worshiping. And, and Jesus knows that about our hearts, and he, he, he wants to kill that in us through the rhythms of, of grace, of prayer that, that starts with God seated on the throne. And then he does say, you know, get to your request and get to the things that you feel that you need, but begin by the understanding that I'm a father who already knows what you need before you can say anything. And then when you finally do get to what you need, those things aren't really they, – they, they, it's almost like they, they, since they aren't idols anymore, it's not life and death anymore. You know, you can, you can just say them to God and trust them with him because uh, now your confidence is in, is in uh, something, something greater. So um, it's, it's, re- it's, very important about, it's very important how we go about uh, these things uh, to think about, uh, all right, uh, what am I worshiping? Am I really worshiping God in this? And the, and the way in which we, we go through this is, um, is, is very important. Um, in the book, kind of your, your main premise is that in, in order to, to make sure that we are aiming our worship appropriately and correctly and kind of to, to, to show us um, how like vain and vapid worshiping anything other than God is, is, is you really hone in and, and focus on this concept of the glory of God. In fact, the book is subtitled, Behold the Soul-Thrilling, Sin-Destroying Glory of Christ. Now, can, can you talk more about this concept of glory? Yeah, well, I could, I could uh, speak about it, I guess, philosophically for a second, and then uh, get in more to the actual meaning uh, in, the, in the text. But, I mean, philosophically... Um, as we were talking about worship, you know, one of the ways that people define worship is revelation and response. So we see something great. You might say we see uh, some glory, and then we respond in the reverence or the adoration of that thing, whatever that is. So we see a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl or, or whatever, and we erupt with applause, right? Um, worship, it, it, it always happens in that rhythm. And so uh, with with the book and the study here, I wanted to, to really dive into the former, the, the first part, the revelation piece, because really uh, the response is, is sort of a, a natural byproduct of, of the glory of the thing that you see, whether it's a touchdown catch or, or whether it's a, a beautiful, you know, a, it's a, or it's a symphony, you know, the last chord of a symphony, or whether it's the glory of God. And, um, and so glory, you know, Edwards defined glory as the outshining of uh, internal excellence. And so glory is around us everywhere. The earth is filled with the glory of God. Um, it's all around us, and there's so many um, – the world is just a wild place. Um, and uh, But specifically, uh, the glory of God, um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 was, was kind of the uh, – primary text of the book, uh, and uh, the passage, it says, uh, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
And so that, that passage tells us essentially that the way we are transformed is by beholding the glory of the Lord. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I uh, spent about eight months trying to study and learn about what that is, what is the glory of the Lord, because that's a rather sort of vague phrase. It's, it's uh, ethereal, it's ambiguous. And, uh, you know, in my study, what I, what I believe the Scripture uh, teaches is that uh, the glory of God is, uh, you know, it, it's everywhere, it's in the world, but, but primarily uh, it shines the brightest, and the glory of God essentially is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The glory of God is the gospel. Um, it's Paul, actually, two verses after Second Corinthians 3.18, says, um, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. So there in that context, even, uh, the glory of God is is, is not um, sort of this white uh, light that you squint towards, necessarily. Um, it's the gospel. It's it's the news of what Jesus has done. It's it's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the resurrection. That That's where we see the glory of God, and, and, it's, and if our eyes are there, uh, and God gives us the grace to see it, then, then we will change. Yeah. When you were doing all the studying, I mean, was that primarily for your own personal benefit? I know, I'm, I'm sure that's where it had its yeah. start. Um, but when when did you make this decision, oh man, I have to write this down, this has to be a book? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good question. It, it definitely was uh, just sort of a, uh, I, I, was just, I was just hungry to learn. I was confused, to be honest. I was, um, because so many songs and so many uh, preachers talk about the glory of God, and it, I, I just really wanted to, to wrestle with it, grapple with it, uh, kind of for myself. And so I spent um, a good while reading different pastors on on the subject, and um, and as well at at, um, at about the same time, I, I'd made an album, uh, and the album is also called Look and Live. And so these, these ideas were all sort of swirling in my head. And, um, yeah, and that's really where the book came from. I just felt like I needed to, to uh, you know, get it all out. So, had, had you ever considered writing a book f before? I mean, what was this like a completely new venture for you? Or, you know, how did, how did you go about that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, I, it, um, it's a bit of an anomaly to me, really, that it exists. Um, I have thought about writing a book, but I've, I've thought about 10 million things. I'm, uh, I guess, a bit of a dreamer, so uh, it, it seems like one of those things that I uh, just kind of admire doing and, and never do. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, this one, this dream kind of happened, and uh, it, it, it came from, again, the study, the, the album, doing the album, and, um, yeah, I just... For whatever reason, I just feel like um, I really do feel, looking back, that it was really God's grace that kind of gave me the energy, and and you know it's 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 really always that way. Looking back, God gives us the strength and the grace and the energy to accomplish anything. But but this specifically, this project, it was um, really it was five months, four hours a day of, of kind of turning away, and and uh, I, I really am grateful and and uh, sort of, uh, amazed by uh, God's grace to, to help me get through it and and I hope in that in that light that uh, that God you know him give me the strength to do it I hope he used it to help people 
in in uh, in loving him more. So. What was the writing process like for you? I mean, had you ever approached anything like this? I mean, obviously, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the process of, of songwriting and writing music. Um, but right. how, how did this, uh, you know, compare or contrast to that? How was it different? Well, yeah, yeah that, so this was the first, you know, full-length book project I've done. I'd, I'd written a chapter or two here and there for different different things. But, yeah, um, songs songs are um, uh, – they, they are more ambiguous by definition. They're more um, – you know, you can, you can read – they're more poetic. You can read into them. And, um, and so naturally you spend more time on, you know, um, on the words because there's less real estate to work with. So, you, you know, you, you can spend, you know, two hours on a verse or two years on a chorus. You know, there, there's really, you know, but with, with a book, um, it, it's quite different. And I was struggling a lot there in the beginning, trying to write the book the way I write songs. So, so it, it was um, looking like it was going to be an extremely uh, arduous, long process. And um, so I was just, I mean, it was just very slow. And my wife eventually just encouraged me to say, you know what, just don't think about how perfect it is. Just kind of vomit up what you're thinking onto the page and just get it out, just really get it out. And um, and so, yeah, I, I followed her advice. You know, there's one writer who said, uh, actually an editor, I uh, heard a quote once. He said, um, I can fix a bad page, but a blank page mm -hmm. I can't fix. And, um, you know, that, it's just, it's, it's so true. And uh, so eventually I just got it out, and, and then I was able to sort of look at it and say, all right, let's, let's uh, delete some things, let's move some things around and try to make some sense of it. And the people at Bethany House were also very helpful uh, in that process too. Yeah, so. I think definitely that um, you know, your calling as a musician and songwriter really comes through in the book because the book is written, um, you know, obviously not as a song, but it's written very lyrically, very powerfully. And I, I really just really enjoyed your writing style. It really drew me in and uh, okay. you know, kept me kept me turning the page and um, brought a. Cool. Thank you. You've really hit more than anyone that I've ever seen this this unique combination of just I, I feel like books tend to be one of two things they, they either tend to be just a sort of like um, you know prosaic um, very uh, sort of lyrical style of writing or they tend to be you know the very yeah. heavily academic um, you know and, and it's like didactic sort of paragraphs up on paragraphs. Right. And you you managed to to kind of merge the two very well, and you know you know like you've done in this conversation you know you you quoted Edwards uh, you quoted Chesterton and uh, you you do that in the book very well and and finding a balance between sort of writing sort of lyrically poetically to to draw out the power of the point of what you're saying, um, but you also you also yeah, very you. very deeply research this book I can tell. And um, put that in there as well. So I, I have to say, uh, for for those of that are listening to this, um, I, I read a lot of books, and um, and as a pastor, I le I read a lot of um, you know Christian nonfiction. I read a lot of books like this, and um, for a book to stand out in terms of its style and content is uh, um, rare. So uh, I really have to say, 
you, your book did an amazing job of, of finding the balance between the two, and I think it starts from, you know, where your music background comes from. Yeah, that's really kind of um, Last question for you, because I know we're, uh, we're running out of time. And um, sure. I just want to talk about what, you know, what is your own Christian story? And uh, we, we've kind of gotten bits and pieces of that throughout the interview. And um, how, how did that lead to the, the need to write this book? And um, how, how have you been affected by what you've learned? And I know we've kind of talked about it throughout the whole thing. I just want to kind of end um, by addressing it directly. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I think uh, when I was um, when I was 12 years old, I um, participated in a youth group event where uh, I think I think that was the moment where I I, re- I felt you know I understood my need for Jesus and felt a, uh, a sense of, of overwhelmed gratitude uh, toward Him, and I think that's when I became a believer i had a uh a couple of different youth pastors who who mentored me and discipled me um but um you know i i really i really feel like my journey has been and and i guess maybe this is is true for uh for everyone but it just i guess to, to personalize it i don't know I, I feel like my journey has been uh, learning or rather unlearning uh how to uh how to how to not use Jesus and how to simply uh, worship Jesus for himself you know that God that God isn't useful he's beautiful and um, you know that that's been a that's been a long it's been a, it's been a journey for me of, of learning and unlearning and and uh, the fight of uh, doing ministry even good things uh, you know I think for, for a long time I've I've done these things as, as sort of a, a means to an end uh, that's not that's not worshiping God, but that's that's sort of an end of, of myself and my glory and my praise and, and all those things. And um, you know, it, man, really, it's just been a journey of of learning through the, through the gospel, through preaching the gospel to myself, through um, through growing at you know the church that I'm a part of and. and Different, different things that God has has brought into my life of of really letting go of the grip of of my you know of myself and the things that I think will make me happy and the circumstances that I'm so sure like this okay this is what will finally make me happy and just letting that go and uh, you know waking up every day and and trying to beat the gospel into my head you know you're my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased um, I, I just it's just been a journey of, of beating that in my head. And I know it will be for the rest of my life in terms of, of letting go of idols and, and being at rest and being content, being at peace. And, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest two struggles I've faced in my life are the idol of, of success, idol of approval and, and, uh, you know, a battle with, with lust and pornography. I, I shared a bit of that in the book in, in college. Um, but you know, the, the way out for me has been, uh, just a greater understanding of God's love and a greater uh, realization of, of forgiveness and justification and who I am. And, you know, I'm not, I, I don't need 
I, I really don't need the applause of people when I have the, the smile of my creator. And I really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not an animal who, uh, who objectifies other human beings. I'm, I'm made in the image of God and I'm a, a king of Narnia, you know, and he, when he, when he sees me, uh, he, he sees, he sees someone who is, uh, the, the man who I, who I will be, you know, and I, and I, I have to preach that to myself and, and that, that is really, uh, the, the power that has helped me overcome sin, that is helping me overcome sin. And I hope that the book helps, uh, people see that. Very good. Uh, you know, what, what's next for Matt Papa? I mean, what, what do you, what do you plan on doing in the future? Do you think you'll write more books or, um, yeah. what's the plan? Yeah. So, um, right now I actually am writing a book right now, uh, with a friend. It's a book, um, it's a book on corporate worship that I'm pretty excited about. It's, and I think it's, it's the book I think will be called Sing, um, S I N G. And, uh, I think the book's unique in the sense that, you know, there's been a, there's been a good, good many books written sort of on, uh, life worship for, for Christians in general, like look and live, uh, and like other books, uh, sort of the worship as a lifestyle for, all believers. And then on the other hand, there's been books written sort of about practical, uh, corporate worship written for worship leaders, uh, and, and sort of lit church leaders. But this book aims to write about the practical aspect of singing for the believer, for the, for the whole, uh, for the Joe, average Joe church member. Cat, the hope is to cast a vision for why do we sing? What's happening while we sing? Why is it important that we are not a watching audience, but a worshiping army? And uh, to, uh, to cast a vision for that, to, to help people uh, sing better. And uh, the other thing I'm working on is actually a, uh, it's a, it's a little bit random, but I'm really excited about it. It's sort of a side indie rock and roll project that is kind of like uh, C.S. Lewis meets the Foo Fighters. And... Uh, so we, yeah, we want to just uh, make people bob their heads and ache at the same time. And uh, the, a lot of these songs on this first project that we're doing uh, are very uh, sort of prophetically philosophical about sort of the, um, about, there's songs about relativism on there. There's songs about um, uh, virtue and vice and uh, temptation and struggle. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to work on. So those are a couple of things I'm doing. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you for yeah. taking time out of your day to, to be on the podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, you know, even good. more than that, thank you for taking time out of your life to write this book and, you know, not, not keep all this knowledge to yourself. Uh, I think they, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. And I'm sure that uh, anyone who picks it up will think the same. So again, thank you so much.